I'm Beth Bennett. And I'm Kendra Kruger. And this is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, May 26, 2015. Coming up, we learn about the close friendship of Einstein and Bohr, portrayed through a play performed by grandmothers. Stay tuned to hear how fairness, beauty, and playfulness intertwined with the lives of these science greats, and how these women bring the story to life. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Have you been stocking up on sunscreen for the coming months? Starting early and keeping on top of UV exposure is more important than ever, following a sobering report by researchers from the Wellcome Trust in the UK. The scientists sequenced the DNA from 234 biopsies of sun-exposed but physiologically normal skin from the eyelids of four different people. They looked at 74 genes known to be involved in cancers, and found a surprisingly high number of mutations, higher even than seen in many tumors. A tumor consists of a clone of one major cell type carrying mutations in key cancer genes called drivers. This clone will give rise to smaller clones that diverge by accumulating mutations in different drivers. The most successful of these clones, that is the ones that reproduce the fastest, will come to dominate the tumor. But the diversity of driver mutations in the tumor itself means that the tumors also have the potential to resist a variety of treatments. This study shows that driver mutations, long assumed to be rare, are not. More surprising, sun-exposed normal skin is already a patchwork of these mutations, essentially a field of precancers that looks like normal skin. So keep putting on that sunscreen. In other medical news, after women go through menopause, they are more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Because many hormone levels decline after menopause, some clinicians believe women can prevent cognitive decline through hormone replacement therapy. This is met with varying degrees of success and failure. Now researched by Lisa Galea at the University of British Columbia suggests the form of estrogen used by it may explain some of the variation. There are three forms of estrogen— estradiol, estrone, and estriol. Using laboratory rats, Galea discovered that estradiol, which is the predominant estrogen in young women, helps prevent some cognitive decline, while estrone, a predominant estrogen in older women, did not aid cognition. But the differences also depend on whether the rat had ever been a mom. Estrone impaired learning in middle-aged rats that were mothers, while it improved learning in rats that were not mothers. These findings may have implications for treating age-related neurodegenerative disorders in women, especially since estrone is in the most common form of hormone therapy prescribed for U.S. women. And it's worth remembering that the National Institutes of Health recommend caution about hormone replacement because there have been mixed benefits and risks for hormone replacement therapy, including reduced risk of broken bones and increased risk of urinary incontinence, dementia, stroke, blood clots, and heart attack. On the science calendar this week, Café Scientifique, actually Café Sci 2, will host a talk tomorrow night called Educational Technology, 
What does it mean? What could it mean? The speaker will be Mike Eisenberg, professor of computer science at CU Boulder. He'll discuss the meaning and potential impact, beneath all the buzz, of new and advanced technologies such as Google Glass, 3D printers, and personal drones. Technologies that are educational, but much broader than about using computers in classrooms. For instance, how will current and future generations learn from and interact with such technologies? How will these technologies affect education? And what will changes in technology and education mean for older generations? Spoiler alert, Dr. Eisenberg will present an optimistic way of thinking about educational technology. The event is tomorrow, Wednesday, May 27th, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It'll be held at the restaurant called Brooklyn's at the Pepsi Center, which is at 901 Auraria Parkway next to the Pepsi Center, across Auraria Parkway from the Auraria campus. For more information, go to Cafe Sai 2 Home. That's all one word. Cafe Sai, C-A-F-E-S-C-I 2 Home dot H-T-M. In all the history of human thought, there is perhaps no greater dialogue than that which took place between Einstein and Bohr on the meaning of the quantum. They argued that question for 30 years. That was one of the grandmothers in Len Barron's play, Niels Bohr, play Einstein, Niels Bohr, and Grandmothers, A Fairy Tale. An educator and performer, Len Barron first developed a piece about Einstein and Bohr as a one-man show, but then decided to evolve the project by enlisting the help of eight grandmothers to tell the story with their own added pizzazz. Not only was the lively performance produced, but a process and experience was shared. This process was captured by documentary filmmaker Robin Truesdale in a film coming to the Dairy Center this weekend entitled A Beautiful Equation. Both Robin and Len have joined us today in the studio to tell us more about the film, The Process, The Scientists, and The Grandmothers. Welcome. Good morning. Nice to be here. So, Len, you seem to have developed a bit of a fascination with the relationship between Bohr and Einstein. Tell us a little bit more about what was so special about that relationship. Well, Einstein and Bohr are the two giants in, in physics of the 20th century, Everybody knows Einstein, but hardly anybody knows knows Bohr. Even physicists, if I do a conference, they may know his science. Of course, they know his science, but they know very little about his daily life. And I fell in love with him when I learned about his relationship with children. Um, children were drawn to him as he was drawn to them. And um, amongst, for example, all the giants in quantum physics... Bohr was the great mentor, and they all considered Bohr the greatest person in the world. That's, I'm inclined to exaggerate to make a story, but it's not an exaggeration. They considered him to be the greatest, and so I wanted to introduce Bohr to the, to the world. That sounds a little grand, but that's what I wanted to do, and... Um, they became very dear friends. Um, they didn't meet until 1920, but um, of course they argued for 30 years about about the quantum. And and that seemed in 1920 that was the beginning of a, a long correspondence between them. It oh, seemed yeah. like oh, they yeah. were yeah. continuing to communicate and develop together. Oh yeah, and they wrote letters all the time. You know, the the they didn't meet until 1920, and. Uh, 
Paul Ehrenfast, who was a mutual friend of both of them, wrote to Einstein, and he said, Now you will meet Bohr, and you will love him. And after the meeting, Einstein wrote to Ehrenfast, and he said, Bohr was here, and I do love him. And it, it seems from watching the film and the pieces from the play that there's a lot of these themes of beauty, fairness, and what was the the other playfulness. one? Playfulness. Yes, yeah. thank you, yeah. Robin. Mm-hmm. That that played into their relationship, and I know that uh, Bohr had a special relationship with fairness. Well, well, they they all they I mean both had they involved all their lives in issues of peace and justice, um, but for physicists and math and mathematicians in particular, Einstein expressed it by saying. Beauty is the first test. It, when they were trying to figure out how it all worked, if it wasn't, if those equations weren't beautiful, uh, they'd just toss it out because it couldn't be right. And I think, on that note, I'm, there's a a, qu- uh, a snippet from the film that I want to play. Of I think it's Teresa uh, delivering a particularly energetic description of these pillars of fairness, beauty, and playfulness that that Einstein, here we go. Einstein said, let us not forget that knowledge and skills alone cannot lead humanity to a happy and dignified life. Something more is needed to produce a truly educated person. The magic of Einstein was in the something more. A mix of fairness, beauty, and playfulness. The building blocks, the energy field for encouraging, wonder, discipline, and a generous heart. The proof is in the pudding. And, and and many, many, many people are going to be able to witness that because of what Robin did. Yeah, it, it was a... It really seemed that the, the, the film was capturing this whole process. And before I get too carried away, going from... Uh, so this is a, 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 a documentary capturing a performance piece by grandmothers telling the, the story of Bohr, uh, Niels Bohr and Einstein... And why grandmothers, first, to start off with? Why bring grandmothers into the equation to tell this story? Well, one of the great pleasures of being an old man is remembering a time when I grew up um, surrounded with elders, both sets of my grandparents, but that was a common thing back then. And um, so I learned at a very early age to have a high regard and respect for elders. That has been much diminished over the years. So... um, to have grandmothers who have been um, the moral fiber of all civilizations forever and ever, to have grandmothers share the ideals and wonder of, of Einstein and Bohr, uh-huh. more than when I do it as a solo. And Robin, why was it important to capture this process on film? Well, uh, going back to the grandmother's idea, 
I think that the the female side of our culture is really important to bring into the picture. We look at these two physicists, this, you know, the scientists, it's typically a male-dominated field, and we think of men a lot of times as the ones who come up with new technology. But the creativity just inspires the same thing in women as well. And so not only are the women elders, but of course, you know, they're female. And so it it really balances the equation of men, science, women, nurture, playfulness is something that's common to all of us. And so when when I met Len, and he told me about um, his idea for developing this theater piece, and he did ask me if I would be interested in documenting it, it was just magical to me. And so that really drew me into the story. And you can really see how, again, those elements of playfulness and curiosity and, and even discovery transcend sort of these two parallel stories that are happening in the film, where it's talking about the growing relationship of Niels Bohr and Einstein. But additionally, these women are encountering these stories in these lives and putting them into the context of their own lives and discovering. Len, can you talk a little bit about the playfulness that emerged through the process? Well, you know, (laughs) I wanted these women to get along beautifully with one another. And it's just a simple matter of fact. That sense of of, um, womanness, that sense of play. And, um, you know, any project project I get involved in, you've got to get people to feel comfortable so they're able to give full expression to to what they want to say and what they want to do. And so playfulness is an intrinsic part of, of what I do with most everything, including having coffee with friends. Um, but, but, but the grandmothers, they adored one another. So very early, very early on, they had such a good time with one another, as I highly suspected would occur. And of course, Robin was filming everything, and she caught all of that, the, all those interactions, and it's beautifully done in, in, the, in the documentary. And something else to mention is a lot of these women, there were eight women, and a couple knew each other, but for the most part, they were not friends before this um, before this project. So we saw them become friends and engage in, in that playfulness and learn about each other through that process. And, and I was really a fly on the wall. I had, I set up a stationary camera, and then I had um, a handheld that I was roving around the five weeks that they rehearsed with Lynn and really just captured those moments, those the essence of that coming together. There's another <clears throat> clip that I'm going to play right now uh, of another actress talking about one of the antidotes of Einstein's lack of driving abilities and then sort of pontificating about his life. And it seems like she's really internalizing that process. Einstein picked up his walking habit early in life. One habit he never picked up was driving. Years later, his wife told a visitor, Oh no, my husband never learned how to drive. It's much too complicated. (laughs) Here you have these great minds, and the wisdom of these physicists was just, you know, ordinariness. 
You know, ordinariness of it out of extraordinary circumstances. And if you're just tuning in now, you're listening to KGNU and How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, where we're speaking with Len Barron, playwright, and Robin Truesdale, documentarian, about the film A Beautiful Equation, which we'll be screening this weekend on Sunday at the Dairy Center for the Arts. So, Robin, another thing that I love about the film is again, going back to this fairy tale storytelling aspect, and it's beautif- beautifully interwoven with uh, the experience and the process of the women creating the play, but also these these illustrations and this whimsical music that kind of goes along with it. Tell me more about uh, your process and your the structure of putting this film together. Well, for me, I wanted it to be uh, like a story. You know, the the women are telling a story. So my idea for the film was to turn it into a book style. And good books are illustrated by beautiful, you know, sometimes simple, just very lovely illustrations. And I found a woman in Boulder, very talented artist, illustrator, Lisa Rivard. And she did all of the illustrations for the film. And what a beautiful job. We always get compliments on on her artwork and so that adds a huge piece to it and the music um was also locally produced by coop studios and kip cooper and um it all just sort of combines to be a story i wanted it to feel like you're sitting with your grandmother having her tell you a storybook story and i love that idea of of the grandmothers are telling this fairy tale telling the story and introducing those playful aspects, the curiosity and the discovery. And are there, um, Robin, you were telling me about education programs that oh, yeah. are now being developed to build into the sort of framework. Mm-hmm. How, what, what is the idea that you're bringing with this education? How are you bringing these playfulness, fairness, and beauty aspects into that? Well, I've um, I've hired a, a consultant to write a curriculum that accompanies the film, and right now we have two lesson plans for middle to high school students, and we also have a professional development guide for teachers and professionals who can use some of the the um, parts of the film and engage in playful activities and really carry through the ideas that that Lynn has brought, you know, to the stage and now to this film. Um, Education is a big part of Einstein's philosophy, how people learn. You know, he didn't believe that we learn book reading so much. It's all about curiosity, imagination, and playfulness. And so I'd love to see that come back into our classrooms. And Lynn, do you think that's a a necessary thing to bring back into the scientific community? Do you think that our current scientific communities still uphold those values of playfulness that Einstein and Niels Bohr captured? Well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. M- maybe it's not so interesting that um, playfulness very often in the educational system is not only discouraged, but it's almost oppressed. The root of Einstein and Bohr's genius was their sense of wonder and playfulness. And it's true of all, of many, many scientists in that that sense of play, that sense of daydreaming, that sense of wonderment, that sense of who knows where those ideas come from. You know, Einstein said, I never think of an idea. 
it just sort of happens. Yeah. Awesome. And Robin, the name of the documentary is A Beautiful Equation. And I get the sense that there's more than just the equations that Einstein and Bohr were formulating at that time. What's the bigger picture there? Well, the bigger picture is just the um, the combination. I think of all the elements, and it's part of it's part of Lynn's writing too. The beautiful equation of fairness, beauty, and playfulness um, to make us really full, fully living people. But to combine the, the like I said before, the male, the female, the the intellectual, and the imagination. It's it's all a beautiful equation. And Lynn. Uh, well, also in the film, one of the topics that are highlighted is dialogue, creating a dialogue between the audience and the performers. Will you speak to that a little bit more, Lynn? Um, well, you know, if, 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 people's, if people are not engaged, um, it doesn't matter what the content is. And so out of the, you know, I've read probably 60 or 70 biographies of Einstein and Bohr, and I picked out those things that are very useful. See, we put our heroes on, on pedestals and we ignore them. Uh, what I wanted to show is how Einstein and Bohr are useful in anybody's daily life. Like it doesn't take a high IQ to be fair, or to be playful, or to do things beautifully. That's lovely. The film will be screening this Sunday at the Dairy Center for the Arts at 4.30 p.m. Check out abeautifulequation.com for more information. Thank you, Robin. Sure, and I'll add that we um, added a 7 a seven o'clock screening as well because our 4.30 is nearly sold out. So if you missed the 4.30, come at 7. Terrific. And thank you, Len. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll end with another clip from the film. Always drawn to what is elemental, Einstein and Bohr were inspired and educated by the imagination and inventiveness of children. At the Institute for Advanced Studies, there was a nursery school for the children of permanent and visiting faculty. And from time to time, Einstein would stop by to watch the children and uh, sometimes take part in their play. One day, a fairly well-known physicist was visiting the Institute. He walked into the dining room and spotted Einstein, sat down next to him and asked who was doing the most important work at the Institute. Einstein replied, if truth be known, the most advanced work being done at the Institute is going on down at the nursery school. The visitor winced, got up and walked out of the room. Einstein turned to a colleague and said, isn't it remarkable how someone can know so much and understand so little? That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our- Our executive producer is Susan Moran. This week's show was produced and engineered by Kendra Kruger. Additional contributions by Susan Moran, Shelley Schlender, and myself, Beth Bennett. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler, and additional clips from the movie A Brilliant Equation. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, 
extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments, call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Kendra Kruger. And I'm Beth Bennett.